2: Let's get to the games. What you've all been waiting for Eels versus the Raiders. I mean, it's it's the Eels were fantastic. They were clinical. They were playing essentially arguably their best game all year. But it's hard to say. Was, was the Eels just so dominant they forced the Raiders, I guess, to play pretty poorly, or did the Raiders run out of gas? What do you reckon, Guru?
3: Yeah, it's, I think it's impossible to answer that question mm. 100%. I, think, I don't think it was the Raiders' best performance. I really thought they missed Adam Elliott through the middle especially. I put up a stat on my page like it's crazy. In the first half, Lane, Bolo, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Papa Lee and Madison, they all went for 100-plus metres. You look at the game on Saturday night, not a single forward went over 75 metres in the first half. So mm. they just smashed them through the middle. Uh, the Parramatta Eels it was really dominant and... I don't know I I think the Raiders They fell out of that game Very early Mm. I think there was was A little turning point there Where I think it was Rapana He almost scored a try He sort of knocked the ball on Putting Mm. the ball down Then the next minute I think it was near Corey He got a HIA So Madison came into the field And that's when Parramatta started to roll And then the next set After that was when The ball went through uh, Young Savage's legs And Opacic scored It was it was a huge two or three minutes as far as getting Mato on early, and then it went from six points at that end to six points at the other end. And from that point on, I sort of felt like Parramatta were home and hose from there.
2: How did you see the game panning out?
3: Yeah, mate.
4: Unfortunately, we've been my better side. Uh, whether it was the Raiders not turning up, I'm not so convinced. The Raiders were a long way from what what sort of fans would have hoped they were going to put out. But at the same time. I think sometimes you got to sit back and, and just cop it and say we we're beaten by a far better side. You mentioned earlier about coming into the game and you know, some people are saying, oh, they're pretty even teams. Well, at the end of the day, when you've got a spine of Gutherson, Moses, Brown and Reid Marney up against Xavier Savage, a rookie who's a questionable spot in the team, Zach Wolf who came from nowhere, um, getting playing 25 odd minutes as a starting hooker uh, and then Jamal Fogarty who's coming off an ACL and Jack White, White now shining light. <laughs> Unfortunately... You know, I think Parra played probably to their potential and the Raiders were underwhelming on the day. Uh, and, and just the stats told a massive, massive story in this one. Parra had 59% of the possession. And you look at the pack, you talk about the spine. Well, that's irrelevant when the pack did what they did and we were trounced through the middle. Uh, Parra had 13 players run for over 100 metres. Their pack all went for over 150. They had 12 offloads amongst their forward pack. They ran for over 800 metres more than us. Reid Martin was the only starting player to have less than two tackle breaks. So, pretty substantial uh, swinging numbers there, and, and they para were too good for us.
2: Yeah. Um, so we'll speak. We'll speak at Raiders first, and then we'll get to uh, the Eels. I just, I just, they just didn't look like they had that next gear in them when when the the para Eels forward pack was just hyper-aggressive, super-dominant, line speed, the contact, the size as well. I just think that, you know, really the only other packs that can match that are, you know, your Roosters, your Penrith, maybe the Rabbitohs. And I just think when you looked at um, the Raiders forward pack, Papa Lee, Ian Tupenik can only do so much in regards to meterage. Now, Hudson Young is a really interesting player because he's not necessarily the most meterage kind of player. He's more like a almost like an attacking weapon mm. um, that can score points. And so then you've got Elliot Whitehead who's, you know, more of a veteran, doesn't get through a lot of metres. Uh, Horsburgh, again, got through a lot of work but not a big metre Um, and I guess just nowhere near as big as that Eels pack and that's where I really felt that, you know, the Eels were just too explosive for the, the Raiders to handle through the middle because when the Raiders spread the ball, they actually had the Eels quite stretched quite a few times. Um, They just couldn't, I guess, um, capitalise on that. Uh, In regards to the game, uh, I thought Rapana had a bit of a mixed bag, a couple of crucial errors. Now, some say that Gutho knocked the ball out of his hands for that try, Um, but there was also a couple of other errors I think that he had. I think it was in the first or second set where he dropped it off the – literally running the The ball. First
3: mistake of the game, yep.
2: Yep. Um, The Savage one – I saw a comment there last week and, and they said um, you fo- we focus too much, I'll just say me, I focus too much on stats because Savage's error last week was him hitting the ball out dead. And I think um, when we talk about, like, for example, Savage and the errors, we're not focusing on one game. We're focusing, focusing on the whole pitcher and we're saying, like, it's a regular occurrence, so it's, it's becoming a concern. And I think, like, a guy like Savage – that error that he made, although it was a terrible bounce of the ball, it's just one of those little things in his game that you know is eventually gonna happen. And that's why we that's why every week we go, you know, Savage, he looking better. Still had an error or two, but he's looking better. And and that's why like we go in the big moments when you need to make that big play. And and I, I feel like I'm being really harsh on Xavier because it was a fucking terrible bounce. But that's that's what it, uh, I guess the big players can make that play. And I and I think Savage will become that big player, but at the moment he's just a bit of a – he's still a rookie, he's still learning his trade. So the, the reason why we try to look at errors is like, look, if it's happening every second or third week, it doesn't matter. But when you're getting one or two errors a week, regardless of whether it's you knocking the ball out or whatever, you have to go, okay, is this going to come back, I guess, and to hurt, to hurt in the future? And unfortunately, although it was a, a nightmare bounce, um, it still it still was a play that, you know, you would hope could get cleaned up or whatever. Um, And you know, whereas you look at a guy like Gutho uh, and I just think that like, how many times does Gutho make that play somehow? Like he he makes it. I will say though, on the flip side of everything I just said, when the Raiders needed something special, Savage delivered. And so if you want to look at the future of what can be for the Raiders, look at that incredible moment from Savage. This is a finals game. He's already made, that was after the error, so he could have easily put his head down. Could have easily just said, you know, I'm, I've just, you know, it's, it wasn't my fault. But in saying that, I could have made it or the play or whatever comes out and scores a try from absolutely nothing. So I think Raiders fans, um, that's an exciting thing to look at. Like, tell me how many other rookies in a in a finals game can turn the game on the head like that and put their team back in it? Very, very few. So I think, although. Uh, disappointing for Raiders fans, I think there's a lot to be excited for for the Raiders next year.
3: Yeah, for sure. And like Savage, you know, we've spoken about it all year. He's had these moments and, you know, when you looked at the the top eight and you looked at all the fullbacks in the top eight, if that play was going to happen to anyone, mm. it was always going to be Savage out of those guys because he is the youngest, he's the inexperienced. And there's been a lot of tough moments for him this year. But, I mean, I think at some point they probably had to go through this with Savage. Mm. You know, we've said all year, year that we would have played – Chance at fullback And I, I, I'm more than willing to say I don't think that play happens If Chance is on the field mm. But Savage has learned A lot of hard lessons this year And hopefully it'll pay dividends mm. For the Canberra Aiders next year And
2: in the defence I, I don't see Chance Doing what Savage did either for And that that's try. the other thing Chance yeah. couldn't score that try <coughs> Out of yep. absolutely
3: nowhere So it goes both ways You have got a potential superstar there Who has got little things <clears> In his <throat> game to clean up As how old is he? 19, 20? <laughs> yeah like as nineteen-year-olds yeah. should, he's been put on the big stage there. Um, and, yeah.
2: and sorry, just just to be clear, like we've got high standards for Savage because we think this kid can be fucking. Because yeah, we know how good be, he is. He, yeah, he he's twenty years old. Whereas if this was a normal rookie, we'd be going, "Come on, guys, he's a rookie. Give him a break." Right? We're talking about this guy could be a ten-year fullback for. The Raiders.
3: Yeah. And I, I like when they first picked him over Chance, I was very negative on it. I personally think that Savage has come a long way this year.
2: Oh, massive. He right. has.
3: Like, like, yeah, there was that, that, that one in this game. But, you know, like I felt like when he first came in at fullback,
2: there was two or three every
3: yeah. game. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I thought last week he potentially got away with one against the Melbourne Storm where he got up and tried to run again and he got taken out. They got a penalty for it. But I think these are just all things that Ricky Stewart would sit down with him each week and go, hey, in this moment, mm. you need to be doing this. And I, hopefully he's just taking it all in like a sponge this yeah. year. And he's, he'll be a really interesting guy to watch next
2: year. That's what I was going to say. I, I'm excited for next year. Like, I, I agree with you. You know, we said it ad nauseum. We're huge fans of chance. We probably would have waited an extra next year. But imagine how much better Savage is going to be next year for this season. Like, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Raiders. Timmy, what do you think?
4: Yeah, the one that sort of stood out for me was the the battle of the hookers in this one, and uh, unfortunately I think probably the Raiders at the moment are just missing, particularly with not necessarily a star-studded spine, uh, just a top-line hooker to take us deep into the finals at the moment, and... It's not a discredit in any way, shape or form of Zach Wolford or of Tommy Starling because Zach Wolford, I think, has been one of the great success stories of the NRL this year coming from um, nowhere to be a starting NRL hooker and he's done a great job for us, but he's a solid hooker at best and he's starting for an NRL club. We've then got Tommy Starling who (coughs) we've said time and time again on this podcast that Ricky Stewart obviously sees him as that ideally 50-minute max hooking role in tandem with another gun hooker and – I think that just sort of the service from dummy half isn't as good that they don't have probably Tommy's got a good attacking threat running game wise but in contrast you've got Reed Marnie who I've just been rapping all year and he gets better every time I see him. We mentioned how dominant the forward pack was a lot of that comes down to Marnie's service. Not only did the back line into Moses and, and Brown, we know how, how great his long ball is now. Just hits him on the chest, in the spot, every time running on the ball. But the way he brings his forwards onto the ball, they're always playing on the front foot and he builds that momentum. Mm. Like Cam Smith was the genius at it. Yo, mate. And and Reid Marnie's obviously just it's a bit of a gift to do it and get out there and get them running on the ball. Timing, and come, timing, and timing is so hard. And, and to be getting out there and, and to have the cohesion with your forwards that you know they're not getting it two meters behind. You're not holding up where they're they're stuttering at the line. It's just perfect timing every single time. And uh, I think Reid that just having Reid Marnie, I think him compared to the Raiders hooking duo was was a major major
3: difference in this contest. You mentioned with Reid there like. As I said before, five of the Parramatta forwards ran for 100 metres in the first <coughs> half. You know how many run metres Reed had in the first half? Like none. Zero. It was zero. Because mm. his yeah. service was just that good and that was all they had to do to get on the front foot.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree in regards to... I will say in the Raiders' defence, and I'm sure you agree, like if Hodgson is at 100% and doesn't do his bloody knee in the first 20 minutes, they probably have a quality hooker that can deliver that service. Yeah. Um, so the, the Raiders are in a real tough spot where they probably, you know... Wolford, you're right. Wolford has been such a good story. And who knows? He may go away, do a preseason, and come back even better. But they probably do need to go into the market, I'd say, for a hooker. Um, Just quickly, back in the backs, Um, I'm super excited. But, like, think about this back line. Savage, super excited about Savage. Like, that try was fucking amazing. And we're just seeing what this kid can do. Kotrick, he's still only 23 or 24. And I thought towards the end of the year, he was building in nicely and getting back to that form before he left. Tomoko, Chris, and then you've got Rapana, but then you've got guys like Albert uh, Hopawati, who is, is 18th man. This backline is young as anything. Plus and Harley
3: Smith will come back next year.
2: Harley, Harley, yep, Harley Smith. And so you've got Sebastian, Chris, and Timoko, they both got selected for the Kiwis?
3: Yeah, yeah they did, yes. Yeah.
2: I'm excited for this backline. Like, this is a backline that is super young. I'd argue it might even be one of the youngest backlines in the comp. And again, I just want to reiterate like, I want to give Ricky and the Raiders wraps. Like, they debut. This is almost a rebuild. And I think Ricky even came out early in the week. Did you see the article where he said that it was like a rebuild year? And it, well, basically, the article, could you just Google uh, the article? So he took the senior players away. I think it was mid year last year, maybe? And he basically, whether it, when it was, he took the senior players away. They went to dinner, and they said, "Boys, everything on the table, everything on the table." And apparently, the senior boys said exactly how they felt. rah. rah. Ricky said here how he felt, and then the healing began. And that's also, you know, coincide with Tarpinier coming out and doing what they're doing. Um, I'm excited for this Raiders next year, and I think that, you know, Raiders obviously they had that, you know, really dominant period of it was late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since then, when they go through a rebuild, it's a fucking disaster. Like, it is a disaster. Um, And there may be some years I'm missing, so I apologise, guys. But I think this is probably their best handled rebuild that I can remember since watching rugby league.
4: Since the mid-90s, they haven't really had these – because Canberra struggles to attract superstars – in those rebuild years We don't have superstars To lean on To get us out of games And finishing in around That top eight So there has been Some crook ones mm. Which is a credit to them That you know Rebuilding actually, Sorry Cut you short But no, um, Sort of this season Last season I know we missed The eight last year But two prelims And <coughs> a semi-final In the last three years, Four years We mentioned Three or four weeks ago But They'd make the eight, then they'd miss. Mm. But not just miss. Like, they could be very deep not down the ladder. even close to And yeah. it was just up and down. So Look at the
2: start of this year. Yeah.
4: They were yeah. two and six.
2: Yeah, Like, I, I personally think that, okay, disappointing into the year, I'm excited for the Raiders. I really am. And I think Ricky, the staff, the admin, everyone there deserves a massive rap because they just got through a season debuting a bunch of youngsters. If they're not debuting, they're in their second or third mm. year. Their roster is fully refreshed. Outside of, you know, Rapana and maybe Papaliti and Whitehead. So you've got three players, everyone else is extremely young, and they were one game away from a prelim.
3: Yeah. And there are a couple of young guys there that are ready to go Mm. over the next few years. We've
2: got, uh, yeah, Mooney. Trey
3: Mooney will come in. Like, Adam Elliott's going to leave at the end of this. That's the other thing. They lose Elliott, he's going to be a huge loss, but they have got Trey Mooney who they're grooming for that spot. Do you see him as a 13 over the next?
4: Definitely. And he can play edge or middle Trey. Uh, And then the other one there is... Who we lost earlier on in this game which didn't help But it was Corey Harwer and Naira Who mm. I don't know, don't know his exact age He'd be mid to sort of late 20s I don't think 26 I'd yeah, say Max I, I think they can get more minutes Into him next yeah. season as well um,
3: uh, Yeah They've also Over the last few months they've, they've You know It's a long way down the track But they've They've signed some of the best young kids mm. From Like they've taken a few From the Roosters They signed a kid from the Sharks A few weeks ago Who are very talented youngsters Who I know when I was 15 16 Like respectfully I couldn't think of anything worse Than
2: Bro, Canberra. when I was honestly when I was playing, I I honestly was like I probably would quit before I went to Canberra. Has nothing to do with the club. It's just way too like it's just I'm from the Gold Coast. Like yeah. it's too cold. On top of all that, I went to New Zealand and I realized how much the weather affects my mood. Like, it, it, and you might go, "Oh, that's fucking soft or whatever," and maybe it is soft. But it, seriously, living in a really cold environment for me. I just struggle. Like mm. I need to be at least somewhere that's semi yeah. sunny, and because I just grew up in it, I'm from the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, and so you guys are right. Like getting to the Raiders is tough, but they got Jackie White, and what's Jackie? Jackie's what? Twenty eight, twenty nine. Uh, be at
4: 2930. yeah, twenty nine, thirty. Yeah, twenty nine. I reckon Jacko.
2: Um, what do you got there, Maddie?
5: Yeah, just can pretty much confirm what you said. There was 16, 16 of them, key staff and senior players, and they went to a, went away for a night and had like a three hour hash out. They called it a conference, and then couple of beers in a feed and just yeah, that's how, yeah. That's well, how
2: honestly it. i think this is a massive win for the year for the for the club and you know it's almost like the polar opposite of the broncos mm. you know they've ended at the start of the year it was like pressure on ricky um you know captain's standing down and rah rah they've ended the year with so much hope and i think like uh, again, I think a guy like Savage, I know I keep coming back to him, but he's a marquee guy. You know how many tickets he can sell. You know, he, he's a guy that you can – at the club, that for the next 10 years, people are going to come and watch. And it's exactly what Canberra need: is, this young, exciting, brash kid that makes big plays in big moments.
5: Uh, Jack White is 29 and Corey Harunera is uh, 26,
2: 27, 27. I think mean, it's also worth, you know, like
3: you said over the last few years how – Know, they've had highs and lows and everything. Like they've also had three halfbacks during that period. Yeah. Like now it looks like Fogarty is going to be the guy, and they are going to be settled on him. And um, to be honest with you, I, I was I didn't think he'd have the impact that he did have this year. Mm. And once he did come back, and it's something that I sort of undervalued until you pointed it out two weeks ago that he he really was a turning point for them this year. Wasn't massively, he? Mm. massively
4: around fourteen or fifteen or something, and from there we are on a tear. Yeah. Mm. And again, that's the, uh, what we spoke about all season of. The importance of a good organising half back and he hasn't stood out in games yeah, at, all, not at all, but he's just helping him getting get us around the park and uh, He just unleashes Jackie White really well.
2: Yeah, massively
5: I mean, Canberra lost half their spine like Hodgson and Fogarty early in the year Ricky says they probably would have made we he would have thinks they would have made the top four If they were fit do you
2: guys well, I mean, do were it great? It's, it's two to three wins off it. Yeah, so would they maybe but it, it's not unreasonable like you know, some people go, oh, come on, Ricky. I I,
3: I don't think it's an unreasonable statement. Wins. They finished on 30 points. Parramatta finished four, a fourth on 34.
2: I, I Honestly, I don't think it's an unreasonable statement from Ricky. And, and, again, that's why I'm so excited about this team going forward. This is a team that, like, is two wins off the top four and made the eight in one of the toughest years we've seen in a long time to make the eight and went down to Melbourne, beat Melbourne. I just – I'm excited. And – So, for Raiders fans, yeah, okay, like, disappointing way to end. And 40-4, to there's no covering over the fact that the Raiders weren't at their best. But, you know, if someone said you can make the eight, get second week of the finals, and that's going to be your rebuild year, that's a fucking win. Oh, yeah. That's a big win. Um, Outside of that, I want to give Corey Horsborough a massive wrap. I know you had him in the team Mm. of the week. I thought towards the end of the year, did he have an injury mid-year? I feel Uh, like there was a period where he wasn't playing.
4: Yeah, he he missed a good chunk.
2: Yeah. Ever since he's came back, because Corey was was a guy that was on the Origin radar for a bit.
4: He was he was in that twenty twenty year. He was so close to making it, and then oh, he, injury, he had a foot had injury, the injury,
2: least in the back yeah. injury. Yeah, yeah. And he, so, he would have been there that year. Yeah, Sure. Yeah. And so, like the way he's played for the for the back end of the year, I think he's been so underappreciated by the wider like Raiders fans. I'm sure appreciate him. Mm. But just his energy and, okay, yeah, his stats aren't fucking crazy and you're not sitting there and, holy shit, it's 300 metres or whatever. But if you go and watch the game and see the way the energy changes when he's on the field, it's massive. I thought he was really good, got through a bunch of work. Um, You know, Hudson Young, we've been over him a million times. But once again, he still ran for 127 metres against a well-beaten side. Like, outside of that, you've got Chris, you've got Timoko, you've got Kotrick, uh, you know it's really interesting because it was 40 to four but there were points in that game that if they just had the ball had to bounce the raiders way guess the eels would have still won for sure there's not like uh, Eels definitely with a better team but if the if the ball bounces away like you got the rapana try um there were there were certain times where they would make a breakdown an edge and they just didn't finish off the game would have been much closer so i think it's a yeah i don't think it's as bad as that's forty-four. Suggests. I think
3: Parramatta would have beaten just about every side the other night, not named Penrith yeah. potentially.
2: Yeah, agreed. They
3: played well, and I come back to it as well. You mentioned it without harping on it. I think if Jordan Rapana scores that try in the twelfth minute, you got a very different
2: game. Well, okay, hands. you got. Let's say you go Rapana scores, and I look, guys. I know you hate the what ifs, but we're just talking about um, key moments, big moments in games. Rapana scores that try, and then Savage's legs are a little bit closed, and they hit his knees instead of going through. Um, momentum changes. Look, eels still definitely win, but, but
3: it, like, it, but it comes back to as well. The Rapana knock-on is why they,
2: they had got that, the ball yeah. for that play. So like, it does change the entire. Mm. Eels still were definitely won, but you know these little moments that and and, that, and it's it's a credit to the eels because the eels won those moments because it was Gutho that put his hand in there to make Rapana drop it. Yep. Um, but I just I I agree in the sense that forty to four I don't think reflects exactly how the game went. Um, so, look, Raiders are a bit underwhelming, but exciting times for next year. Anything else on the Raiders' performance, boys?
3: No, yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see without Adam Elliott this year. I think he's been so important to that side mm. the entire season. Do I you
2: think, think they need a 13? Because, like, they've been tossing and turning and bloody changing their 13 constantly.
3: Well, I, you know, I, I know that we, we just said that the halfback coming in, he was. I also thought when they just settled on Adam Elliott at 13, mm. I thought that made a huge difference. you <clears throat> You, you would have watched more than me, but I, I thought it was massive for them when they just put him there and left him there.
4: Yeah, he was great. And I think probably we, we, we sort of emphasised the importance of a really good ball-playing lock, and I suppose maybe worrying next year a little bit who that will be for the Raiders. But at the same time, we're also such a forward-heavy side. Like, a lot of our footies played through the middle. We win a lot of our games just through pack dominance, uh, which we obviously didn't get on the weekend. So I don't think that link played between lock, hooker, halves, is as important as <coughs> other clubs where, like the Rabbitohs, uh, like the Sharks, who that ball movement is just so pivotal to their game. Mm.
2: If I'm Ricky, I'm, you know, picking two to three guys or two that I think are going to be my third in next year and they are ball-playing all off-season. Like, seriously, I am not letting them off the field unless they've been on there for an extra hour ball-playing every fucking session.
3: Are you assuming it'll be Whitehead? Like, that was obviously the idea at the wouldn't start not you go? I'd season?
2: go Trey Mooney, wouldn't you? Oh, I
3: would, but I mean, they came into this season wanting to play Whitehead as a 13, so that—that's yeah. the only sort of take that I'm
2: looking at. Mm. I'd, I'd, me personally, from what I've seen, and it's a very small sample size. I'd be going Trey Mooney, and I'd be, I'd be investing. It's Trey Mooney, correct? Yeah. I'd be investing heaps of um, resources in in regards to coaching staff. Like, he would almost be nearly my most importantly trained player uh, of the off season. And I would be just dedicating so much time because like when you watch him play, especially I know it's in the under, was it 19's
3: origin oh, yeah. that we watch? Yeah.
2: This is a special player. Mm. Like he he was the standout forward of that game. And also he was getting in the faces of the Queensland forwards. So like he's that, he is that guy. I'd be putting a bunch of resources into him. I'd be, if I have to hire a, a, a former 13 or whatever to come down and train with him two to three times a week, I'd be doing that. Um, I do think the wishy-washy nature of selection in that thirteen role probably did hurt them over the period of this year, and I think that going forward they should select someone and and stick with it. Again, easy for me to say, but that's my thought. What do you th- what do you think, Tim?
4: Yeah, no, I, I do, I, I do. Look, I I always like cohesion in size and picking and sticking, and trying to change up as little as you can. Um, but as I said, they're, they're a bit of a rough-and-tumble, knock-down-the-front-door knock type four-pack the Raiders. So I do think more than most sides, they can get away with chopping and changing players just to give them a few minutes and just to manage them over the season. But yep. I, I know what you're saying, for
2: sure. Um, any other... Like, what, what were your thoughts on Jackie Whiten's uh, hit on Moses? Was that an issue? Should have been a penalty? Did you like the fact that Whiten was filthy?
3: Um, well, was this the one that was a bit of a head slam or when he came back on the field after?
2: It um, was two, wasn't it? There? There was, yeah, there was a... Bit of a head slam Yeah, I know you call it, yeah.
3: it It wasn't a head slam, but...
2: Kind of was. Kind of was yeah. a head slam. Um, the other one... Now, the, the commentator said there was no contact to the head, but I'm not too sure. I, I, again, I didn't get a good enough angle, but what thoughts? Was it the right, wrong call? Thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought there was a bit of contact
3: to the head personally, but I also... Why the fuck was Mitch Moses back on the field? Then? Yeah, we'll,
2: we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll it. get
3: but to just, it. Just... Oh, fuck. I thought Parramatta were going to get exactly what they deserved for a split second there in that moment. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. But, yeah, I, I thought that uh, Jack was potentially a little bit lucky to get away. Was it a penalty in the end? Did anything
0: uh over?
2: Penalty for rough like rough play or something. Like, uh, what was the word? Unnecessary or roughing, some shit like that. Yeah, right, okay. Timmy?
4: Oh man, I can't take the green the green goggles off of this one. I didn't get much enjoyment out of that game, so I just seen him absolutely whack Mitchy Moses <laughs> one of one of two moments that and Savage's try, so I, I'm all here for it all day.
2: <laughs> I will say, if there was no contact to the head, that's the dumbest penalty I've ever seen. Like unnecessary roughness. What? <laughs> what are we talking about here? Now, look, if you wanted to say it was a shoulder charge, okay, maybe. But if you're not going to call it a solder charge and there was no contact to the head, what a joke. What a j- what are we talking about here? Like this is a good strong tackle that like he had him on the ground. Like we're talking about rugby league here. Like they they're running at each other, 120 kilo blokes from 10 meters or 20 meters away and uh, a half gets a little bit roughed up and we're given
4: penalties away. For the prelim, just give Mitchie Moses a non-contact bib, throw some tags oh, on his edge and
2: mate. we'll just, we'll just tag him. So look, if there was contact with the head, put it this way, if there was contact to the head, <laughs> if there, put it this way, if there was contact to the head, he should be in the bin. So that's what I don't get with these inc- like inconsistent calls. Like if it's unnecessary roughness, that's embarrassing. If it was contact to the head, that's 100% 10 in the bin. It's a swinging arm to the head of a bloke on the ground. Um, But anyway, what I will say, though, is I loved the fact that Jackie was angry. That's what you want to see in your players. He's pissed that they're not going to make the finals. They've been dominated all night. So he's going to try and put a shot on his opposing seven, even though the game is over. Um, Yeah, anyway, just thought I'd get your thoughts on that. Uh, Now, on to the Eels. What an incredible performance. I mean... Look, there were times, I think, defensively on the edges, I still think they're a little bit vulnerable. Uh, but their forward pack, it's, it's it really – it's a like double-edged sword because when they go into contact pre-planning offloads, it never works. But when the Eels go into contact just worried about winning that contact – the offloads come. Mm. And and so like nearly every one of their offloads, I wasn't sitting there going, oh shit. Like I was like, oh no, you know, the ball is com- seriously easy mm. free. When the Eels play like that, honestly, they can beat anyone. And I, and I honestly believe they're the only team that stands a chance against the Panthers. Uh, I thought their forwards were absolutely incredible. I thought uh, their reaction to everything in the media, I thought they showed that they're a, a galvanized group. Um, Gutho made some really, really big plays. Um, you know, we'll get we'll get to Dylan Brown, uh, Wonga Blake. I for the life of me, did he get one high ball kicked to him?
3: Wasn't many. No,
2: no. That's one thing where I'll say the Raiders stuffed up because it's like that is shocking to me. Wonga Blake oh, didn't get a God. single, like. When I was watching, I was going, um, did they watch last week? Because well,
3: Fogarty came out and said it during the week that he'd be targeting
2: him. So do you think it was just because the, the, the Eels put a lot of kick – because the Eels did put a lot of kick pressure on, which is good to see, but – what a what a missed trick by the yeah. Raiders! And they just, we
4: were we dominated so much, so we were always kicking from deep in our own half or like around halfway. It wasn't the kicking from on halfway or just past halfway where you can just put a bomb up and tell him. It. it was harder. A lot of just long kicks mm-hmm. downfield That anyone can take. So. But don't
2: you just risk it? Like if even you just if you put it up. yeah, just put it up. Yeah. Like just get it up there because even they did put a couple up to to Gutho <laughs> and Gutho let them bounce. Um, anyway, we've spoken about the Raiders. Uh, so outside of that. The, the, the Eels looked as good as they've looked all season long. I thought their attack looked probably the best it's looked all season long. Uh, what I found really interesting, and obviously I messaged it to you, I, th- I kind of felt Dylan Brown was playing the seven role in the first half. Like, I really felt like he was a call in the shots. If you go back and watch that, Moses was staying on his side of the field, and it was actually Dylan Brown that was shifting from side to side and being the first off the ruck or second off the ruck, giving it to Mitchell Moses. Um, And I wonder whether, you know, was Mitchell Moses a little bit groggy still? Not groggy, but feeling the effects. And was the game plan Brad Arthur going, you know, Brown, we need you to step up here. We need you to take – because Brown had 29 runs. (laughs) 29 runs and Moses had 10. And so have we – have the Eels unlocked – Almost, is this a direction going forward for them? Where the best way to get Brown into the game is saying we need you to essentially, you know, Moses will tell everywhere to go, but when it comes to the plays, we need you call on the plays.
4: Quick, quick sidebar before I do that. With NRL.com stats, do we know at what point it becomes a run? Because I know, like catching the ball is not a run. Mm. And when it when Meadridge and Yardage well not Yardage, when me just go on to your tally, because with Brown, because of the, the speed of the play he was catching, running his five, six metres, and then he'd dish on. So I'm assuming a lot of that, I'm assuming he wasn't tackled twenty nine times. So do we know is it like do you have to run a is it three to five meters or something for it to be counted as a run?
2: I think
3: isn't it just advantage line? Yeah, well I like, I mean if you want to take another guy for example, Reed Marnie, like he finished that game with five run meters. Mm. I mean, like the amount of time he gets out and just engages the markers and then gives, like you would have to assume that adds up to more than five meters over eighty mm. minutes
2: as well. So it yeah. must be a minimum of five meters. Yeah, or something. Uh,
4: it must be something like yeah. five. So, like someone out there will
2: know will mm. know what the goal is. So I do know Fo- Fox and NRL use different stats. Yeah,
4: yeah, so. particularly when it comes to. Attacking stuff like trisis and yeah. tackles. Tackles, Fox will, sorry, NRL will credit sort of third man in a lot more, mm. whereas Fox tend not to. They give it to the first two dominant tacklers. Yep. Um, but trisis, NRL will often give it to like the centre who tips on. Fox are a bit more subjective
3: in, mm. like who creates the overlap and that. Well,
2: sometimes Fox will like, it'll be like two passes before they give the trisis mm. to. Um,
3: just on Dill Brown you mentioned, you know, had 29 runs of the ball and it's not like he was just. Falling into contact and taking it. He ran for 320 <sighs> metres. I know.
2: 321 metres. It's just... Uh. And six tackle breaks. And, like, I mean, we'll talk about it. Hang on. Just before we... I've got the glossary here.
5: <clears throat> so there's four different types. So the hit-up, when a ball carrier directly runs at the tackler. Kick return. Ball, takes, uh, ball carrier takes ball into contact. Dummy half ball carrier runs into contact from dummy half. And then there's line engage when a player has engaged a defensive line, or run to a dead end before passing or kicking.
4: <clears throat> so which is what Brown would be so getting. So what's
5: Brown? That's what Brown's getting. Is line engage. He's going engaging. A, Whereas if you're from dummy half, quite up,
2: a few runs. Though, if you go back and watch that, he yeah, was, he got tackled yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Whereas
5: if you're actually in Reid money's case from a dummy half, you need to get tackled or at least hit the defensive yeah. line. Yeah.
3: Mm. It's my favorite thing about Dill Brown though that. When he's got the ball, he'll pass it if someone's in a better spot than him. Mm. If not,
2: he'll just go. He'll yeah. just go.
3: He's, he's not afraid to
2: um, take a whack. Yeah. It's not on. He, um, let's, let's talk about it because I thought this call was absolutely outrageous. The forward pass, allegedly, to Gutho was uh, – what I don't understand is like how many forward passes have we seen actually let go and then the one that's like – at best flat but it's everyone can see it comes out of his hands backwards and like when i see that and i go my tinfoil hat gets on and i start going (laughs) are they giving that because the raiders are getting pumped and they're trying to get them back into the game like if 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 it was a close game would they still give that because i kind of feel like is there anyone that didn't think is there anyone put it well let's get out of here first Honestly, did any of you guys think when he threw that it was forward and not back out of the hands? And you can be honest. No, I've I haven't spoken to a single person that thought that pass was forward. Now, what if that was in a crucial moment in the game? And it's like that, that's a shocking call. Like I, I just it does it makes no sense to me. And then we'll see other games where it's like blatantly forward, and you're going what, how? Anyway, um, outside of that. Uh, yeah, Dylan Brown was absolutely fantastic, and I think the key to Dylan's game basically is, mate. We just need you to have twenty plus runs, and everything else opens up because that's how good he. That, that's how good this guy was. He was unbelievable. His pass selection, and also what I love about Dylan Brown as well is like he ga- he engages the line, but he rarely throws hospital balls. Like he 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 gets them in the perfect position, but he's so good at making the right call of like, okay, they might be in a little bit of a position, but they're about to get jammed and he doesn't give it. And the amount of times he gets Lane in the perfect, like just such a good line. And also the the defense is sliding. It's a one-on-one tackle. Um, Dylan Brown was absolutely phenomenal. And I thought Mitchell Moses was really good as well. Uh, Outside of that, their forward pack were incredible.
3: As you said with Dill Brown, obviously, you know, like this – I felt like last year, and we spoke about it all year, that he was coming up with these fantastic plays, but he wasn't getting any stats for it, and he was stuck on that left edge, and that's Clint Gutherson's preferred side. So you always see him hovering down, and he he always just peels that three on two. And last year, Dylan Brown, he was never crossing – the black dot
0: mm.
3: Whereas this year Now you're starting to see it And like, we saw that try That I think it was Mitch Moses Threw the cutout ball For Wonga Blake On the right side And when Dilbrand Gets into first receiver Like I think he He got the ball And he had um, Junior right next to him It was just a Perfect face ball yeah. out to Mitch Moses All the eyes are on Junior Because he was the big body there mm. just a really well it, It's simple But just It had to be perfect To get it right And they nailed it
2: mm. Yeah It's it just It's so He's so silky Like in Again The passers are nearly always in front, they're always hitting their mark, usually makes the right call, Um, and I I think if you went to try involvements, there might be maybe one try he wasn't involved in. He was involved in nearly every other try. Was there anyone that stood out for you, Timmy?
4: It was just more the way they're playing as a team. I I can't believe how well they're just playing in unison, Parramatta. From 1 to 17, they're just on the same page, and one thing that stood out for me is just the push support in that side so sorry to use the bronx as an example can but two years ago when they had a good good lineup and they just had no go for it. they were just in all sorts i'm sitting there, what's happening mm. and you looked at them and they're just going one off the rock one off the rock one off the rock Parramatta, the difference between that and a good side is and I, I this has always confused me because it seems such an easy thing to coach is Parramatta have two bucks going up on the right side like two bucks going on the left side and then they'll have their halves or their lock or whoever going at the back and they've just got options 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 this isn't that hard a thing to do and harder thing to to inject into your game plan as a defensive line you there's a million different options they can go with so paris Pack are just playing in unbelievable unit unison so much of their game plan is centered around having these hard running gun back rollers they get in under the inside shoulder of their halves and the second they do and they get them to commit... This is any NRL team, but Parramatta do it better than just about anyone. Mm. They whack straight out the back, and then the speed they play in the back line is exceptional. But the second they hit short on a lane or a Papaliti, Dylan Brown or Mitch Moses or Clint Guthin are there for the offload, push support, push support, push support. Mm. And it's just it's really enjoyable to, to watch it all <coughs> unfold. And then that's the other thing. If they go they go with the, the back row going hard at the, the inside shoulder of the half... If he doesn't commit and that they'll just sort of lay it off to him boom that'll mean that their short sides are not stacked up with say back row or center winger mm. and they might find a front rower out there because they've had to to squeeze out there mitch moses and dylan brown mm. are two of the best short side players in the competition the second they say, see a front row or anyone out of position mm. they take them on they get them for speed and they score so many great short side tries um, just really
2: enjoyable to watch yeah oh you're totally right. And I think a really good example of exactly what you're talking about is like, when you run in pairs all the time, it's great for that run, but it's also great for all the runs that follow it because the Dylan Brown, no try, he ran through a gap that might've been, like he, it was almost like, oh shit. Like he, he realized it was there and just went, boom, gone. But that gap is because the inside men, the same shape that they're seeing of like, let's say it's coming out at our own end, and it's Paulo and RCG, or it's Madison and and, and Paolo, mm. that same shape. You you have to be you have to be honest, and you have to stay, and you can't slide out, and that's why you see these. I mean, the eyes do it perfectly, but that's why you see these giant gaps all the way out in the edges because like, for the last three sets, the 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 eels have just been jamming it through the middle with those two-pass shifts. And then the, on the fifth set, that's the brown one, they hit out the back and all of a sudden that condensed line that's been trying to stop these massive forwards is too condensed and there's yeah. these massive holes. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right there. And I, Like Madison's ball playing, oh, it's fucking so it? good. You know, I'm surprised that he, that he doesn't start at 13 more often, but then he just is so good off the bench – I wonder whether he's going to play more of a role at 13 next year because I know he wants to be a 13.
3: I think in Brad Arthur's mind, he knows that they need to start games going north and south. Mm. When they start to go lateral, that's when they lose their way. Like for me personally, I always look at, as soon as Madison walks on the field, that next 20 minutes, that's the most important 20 minutes when you're taking on Parramatta. Mm. If you can win that period, you go a long way to beating this side. Mm because they'll they'll beat the living shit out of you to start the game with these two front rowers and he gets on and they get a bit of ball movement and if you can win that period, you can sort of leave them in the – and you saw that that's what Penrith did the other day. Mm. As soon as Matto got on, they won that period and it takes you so far against Parramatta because he is so talented. But I personally think he – ideally, Arthur wants to keep him coming off the bench. I think he's perfect there.
2: He just – like it's it's bizarre because like – Back in the day, it was like bench players were the not as good players or whatever, Mm. but like Madison is just so important. Like that trial with uh, Junior Paolo, um, it's like just a yawning gap. It was just like boom right there, but it was because it was a quick play of the ball. Madison is such a fucking big body. You have to be honest with him um, in regards to defence.
3: To be able to have a guy that comes through as a 5'8 and a talented ball player and then for him to turn into the absolute brick shithouse that he has – Fuck! It's a dangerous
2: combo. Oh man! Yeah, it's yeah. He's
4: like the, the way we we speak of Camo and Isaiah Yo in their ball playing. Madison, we know with that five eight background, he can do that, and he can. He's good enough. He's got all the attributes to get to their level. So this time next year, we we could have him right up there with the best locks in the game. And I remember sort of the start of the year, mm. um, we were chatting about you know Maddo better on an edge as a middle, and I for one was sort of like, oh, he's such a good line runner out wide. I like him on the edge, but. Now that we're just seeing this ball-playing lock become so important, he's a lock. And, and geez, he's good at it.
2: Far out. And he must be a nightmare defence because he's so fucking big. (laughs) Like, compared to the other locks in the comp, he is uh, just massive. Um, Also, I want to give a shout-out to Will Benzini. He's a guy that just flies under the radar. He's 19. Like, he's Suoliti's age. Mm. He's the same group that Suoliti came through. I thought he was outstanding, and I think he has been outstanding, especially in defense, like his contact, the fact that he's like already got his man strength, he's only gonna get better, which is crazy. Now, when you look at the stats, he made 23 tackles. Now think about this, Brown made seven, Blake made four, Oppercheck made four, Sivo made two, Gutho made four. He made 23 tackles and only missed two on the edge. And I think that that's where, the game wasn't won or lost there but I think a lot of the times where Raiders would have found space and got those points mm. Pensini shut that down and that, it's almost like they got frustrated like usually a centre is going to miss these tackles eventually when we, we spin it wide and Pensini just didn't like he literally just didn't ran for over 100 metres he got a try I, I think that a lot of people are sleeping on Will Pensini and I think that uh, he's probably going to pay for Tonga I think I think he's one of the better young outside backs coming through. And when he starts hitting that 23, 24, 25 age, when he gets that man strength, Oof. he's going to be a massive problem.
3: And like, he was good on the weekend, but even the week before that against Penrith, like he was marking up against that left edge, which is unbelievable. None of their points came down that edge. Mm. They all came on on the other side yeah. of Brian And I mean, like the other thing about the position that, that Will find himself in is that he's got Wonga Blake outside him who, you know, historically he can make some poor decisions on that edge. Mm. So it's put even more pressure on him, and I think he's handled it all sensationally
2: well. Yeah. I, he's just flying under the radar. And it's, it's strange to me that a 19-year-old centre that's now in his second uh, year of uh, first grade and basically in his second finals, and also, if I remember correctly, was it, wasn't it him that made the big play on Bradman Best last year to get them through against the Knights? Yep. And he, it, like, you know, Bradman Best was almost in origin talks, mm-hmm. and Pensini won that battle. And he won it well. Um, so look, I think he's flying under the radar, and I think he's a fucking great player. Uh, just quickly, Tom Opachet, 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 Opachet—is that how you it? Anyway, um, bit of an injury cloud. I actually think this is a bit concerning for the Cowboys because I think that w- both Will Bensini and Opachek make up for a lot of Sivo and Wonga Blake's deficiencies in defense. Mm. Um, the amount of times Wonga Blake or see if I come flying in when they don't need to, it's, it's quite alarming. Is this a concern for the Eels going into the next game?
3: 100%. It's a concern in their defence, but you, you've also brought it up on a number of occasions the important role that he plays in their attack. He runs mm. the perfect line every time, Obichick, and that's what creates that space for Clint Gutherson out the back. But I agree with you. I think that the thing with Albacic is there's, you know, I, I, I could throw a dart into the NRL and probably hit a centre that's got more talent. But he is so reliable and he is so consistent. He's one of those guys you realise how good he is probably when he's not there Mm. than when he is there. So, yeah, I I think it would be a serious worry. And if I was the North Queensland Cowboys and he's not there, it's something I would target. I'd
2: be going down that edge every day of the week. Um, Yeah, look, outside, just a fucking absolutely fantastic performance by the Eels and... I mean, we're going to do a quick preview of the two games because obviously we've got more time. Um, so we'll, we'll talk more about their, their hopes against the Cowboys. But uh, another guy I want to talk about, Niakore. I think, you know, he goes about his business. He scored two tries. He scored two tries. Like, I think he's going to be a bit of a loss for the Eagles. I really do. He's a miss to fix it. He ended up, um, he went into the centres, I think, when Opecek was injured, played really well there. Uh, did he play centres for the Kiwis as well? Yeah, I think he has. Yeah, he went really well there. Well,
3: then I think he'll be a starting centre for the Kiwis.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he's a great buy for the Warriors. I really, really do. It's just a matter of can the Warriors' system get the best out of him. But I think the Eels are going to miss him.
3: I don't think there's any doubt that at some point next year there will be a time where Parramatta has injuries and you'll sit there and go, "Fuck
2: near Corey, yeah, It'd be the fuck right he'd now. be handy right now. He's exactly
3: what they need in this moment.
2: And he fills so many gaps, and he doesn't. You know, a lot of the time when you say fill gaps, it's like, oh, they just go on and get the job done. But he actually impacts games. Um,
4: well, next week, if Opsich is out, he could start at centre. I reckon you put because, him there. Yeah. Because the alternative is you're tinkering too much with your back line and you're going or Blake back to centre, Simonson on the wing – which there's just a lot of moving passes, so I think it probably got to be an air corps at centre.
2: Oh, I think it has to be. I think you just think defence first,
4: especially a def- yeah, defensively in a pre- prelim final. Like it just yep. it makes sense
2: because like the other option is Wonga Blake there, and who would go on the wing? Like it would
3: be Simonson. Bring in Simonson, Simonson. Simonson, and, Simonson and like Simonson. Like that scares me. So then you're, you're causing issues on both sides. Yeah, obviously.
2: and also like Wonga Blake at centre, like we've seen that, and unfortunately defensively makes
3: against Nathan Cleary and Critter.
2: Yeah, yeah, tough. Well, Cowboy. As in we saw it against. Adagiri? Oh, sorry,
3: so sorry. Yeah, no, no, yeah, well, um, still, you'd have to mark what Townsend, Hiku, Nanai.
2: Yeah, fuck, doesn't get easier. Yeah, Holmes or fucking.
5: You, didn't he play centre for the first half of last year anyway? And he was longer. Nah, um, Nikoro. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it was, and great. He was. quite good. Yeah. And he was
2: their best. Well, player. well I, yeah, I, I wanted like, him to uh, stay there when it was uh, happening. I was like, I think he should stay there. But anyway,
4: that match if Brad Arthur came out and put <laughs> Dylan Brown to centre and Jake to half
2: <laughs> holy moly, <laughs> mate. There'd be riots. There would be riots in Parramatta. Yeah, would. There would be fucking riots. Um, so, incredible win for the Eels. And, you know, I love the Cinderella story of the Cowboys, but at the same time, like, you know, the para eels, they've been fighting for so long.
3: These bloody Queenslanders, they turn on each other quick. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in regards to the Eels, boys? Yeah, just quickly, you obviously mentioned like
3: like Jacob Arthur. I, I agree with you. I, I don't understand why they're running with such an out and out seven on their bench. I think it just limits so much. And then you got to you got to that game on the weekend, and Mitch Moses came off, and it was fifteen minutes ago. They were up by twenty four, and they took Arthur oh. off to put like. And I, I I I don't want to go too harsh from Jacob Arthur because people like to take advantage of the fact he's the coach of some, but. If you don't trust him in that moment there To get you home up by 24 with 15 to go And he can't cover hooker He can't cover any other position I don't understand why they are carrying him on the bench
2: The decision to put Moses back on the field It's ludicrous That makes It blows my mind That you would risk a guy that's already Debatable whether he should be there or not Goes back out on the field Against an angry Raiders pack When the game was over It was over And you've got Arthur there, even though I think that, like, take away his name. It honestly has nothing to do with the fact that he's a coach's son. It has everything to do with he is a specific seven. Even if you had, honestly, even if you had Sam Walker maybe. I mean, I know Sam can maybe play a bit of hooker, but even Sam Walker I probably wouldn't put on the bench as a a specific seven. Like, um, I'm trying to think of another young seven that's coming through that, that can only just play seven. So it,
3: like, there aren't many of those guys around mm. anymore. Jacob Arthur is he, – he is a halfback and nothing else.
2: Yeah, and so – A good
5: know. example would be how Ilias is South's halfback, but last year they ran with Taff because
2: yeah. he's more versatile. And so, look, maybe I would put Sam Walker on the bench, but the point I'm trying to make is, is like, it's, it does nothing to do with Jacob Arthur and his ability at all. It's just the nature of, like, the fact that the multiple positions – that he can't play um so I, look it looks like he's going to stick with it i I'd, I'd assume that it's going to be the same next week but i agree it's, it's it's a very surprising decision and and what makes it even more surprising is like when moses did go off and you had the opportunity to give him some minutes anyway um outside of that though let's not dampen the mood feels great win incredible win